I knew it was all going to work out. We have a new awesome Speaker of the House, Mike Johnson. We like Mike, Republican of Louisiana, and he's thoroughly MAGA. He's thoroughly great, friendly to this show. We've had him on the show about a million times. He's always coming on, and uh, we appreciate it so much. Um, so it happened. I. I don't know why so many people were losing their minds over the past couple of weeks. It was mostly Democrats, mostly media saying, oh, there's no speaker. What are we going to do? It's just fine. He accepted it very graciously. To my colleagues, I, I want to thank you all for the trust that you have instilled in me to lead us in this historic and unprecedented moment that we're in. The challenge before us is great, but the time for action is now, and I will not let you down. All right, Mike, I know you won't. I know you won't. It's interesting. I like that it's him because I noticed him a long time ago. And I noticed that he was very good, but I also noticed that he wasn't getting a lot of notice. At least it seemed that way to me. You know, he's actually relatively junior, and he'd be on these committees, and he'd be outshined by guys like Matt Gates. He'd be outshined by guys like Jim Jordan. Now, I like those guys, but, you know, he was less senior, so you didn't hear from him as much. And he did not get to talk first. He talked third or fourth or fifth. But when he said something, it was great. Anyway, the takeaway for me is somebody always is noticing. Sometimes it doesn't seem that way in life. You know, you work hard, you're pushing, and it seems like you're not being rewarded, you're being taken for granted. Somebody is noticing. And if nobody is noticing, God is noticing. And I think he was watching, all right? And if you look closely enough, you could see it may not have been getting much credit from the world, but Mike Johnson in action, it's awesome. We have the frustrating responsibility on this committee of providing oversight of your agency, but I have to be honest and tell you, I'm not sure exactly what you do at the Department of Homeland Security other than great harm. You created the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Agency, CISA, which is a division of, 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 your, of DHS. And it's one of the Biden administration agencies that colluded with and coerced the social media companies to censor Americans' protected free speech online. That's specifically detailed in a 155-page court opinion that came out of the federal court in Louisiana in the landmark litigation of Missouri v. Biden. Have you read that court opinion? Uh, Congressman, uh, I have not. And um, the, uh, the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency does not censor speech. Okay, well, that's the court found otherwise. And it's really curious to me, actually it's quite alarming that you haven't read the opinion because your agency is listed in this opinion. The court said it involves the most massive attack against free speech in United States history. And you're telling me this opinion issued July 4th has not reached your desk, no one's briefed you on it? Oh, I have been briefed on the Missouri litigation. Okay, but you haven't taken the time to read it yet. Congressman, um, no, hold on. Have you read it or not? I have read parts of it. Congressman. Oh, parts of it. Did you read the parts where it said that this is Orwellian and dystopian and that your agency is involved in a massive cover up of specifically conservatives free speech online? Congressman, the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency is not involved in such conduct. Okay, well, the court found otherwise, and you stand here under oath and you give us these answers that we know were not true because this is demonstrably untrue. I'm suggesting to you that you're saying things to us under oath that are proven by the record to be untrue. Yeah, it's terrific. This is the kind of oversight we need. May not be, these moments don't tend to go viral, but they're awesome and they're important. Here's one more. Have you had personal contact with anyone at FBI headquarters about the Hunter Biden investigation? 
don't re- I don't I don't recollect the answer to that question, but the FBI works for the Justice Department. It's uh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You don't recollect you don't recollect whether you've talked with anybody at FBI headquarters about an investigation of the president's son. I, I don't believe that I did. Busted. Merrick Garland busted. What's that great or what? You can tell he's lying. You see that smile on his face? He's caught. He's busted. I don't recollect. That's code for uh, I'm lying. <laughs> I'm lying, but I don't want to get nailed for lying. So I really like Mike Johnson. Oh, let's go through some biographical details, shall we? Uh, he's a lawyer. Uh, he was in the state house in Louisiana before being elected to the U.S. Congress in 2016. Uh, for the personal side, let's see, he's married. He has four kids and went to Louisiana State University for his bachelor's and for his law degree. It's interesting. Um, Another speaker who does not come from the Ivy League. You've heard of the Ivy League, the media obsessed with prestige colleges, the Ivy League, the elite schools. Uh, Lots of presidents have Ivy League credentials. Uh, Since World War II, roughly half of the presidents went to an Ivy League school. Uh, You can go all the way back to World War I, actually, (laughs) and zero speakers of the House graduated from Ivy League schools. Just kind of an interesting thing, isn't it? I mean, I don't know. I just, it's curious. It's curious. So Mr. Johnson comes from Louisiana State. And this reminds me, Joe Biden lies about this as well. Maybe it's my Scranton roots, I don't know. But when you guys started talking on television about Biden, if he wins, will be the first person without a Ivy League degree to be elected president. I'm thinking, who the hell makes you think I have to have an Ivy League degree to be president? I really mean it. I found my backup. No, I'm not joking. I'm not joking. Not joking, but he's wrong. He's lying. There have been plenty of presidents who did not go to the Ivy League. Some great presidents. Reagan, great president. Carter, crummy president. Nixon, mixed, but I liked him. Johnson, Eisenhower, Truman. Anyway, just... Joe being Joe. I like it that Mike Johnson, though, comes from the people. I trust that he's not going to fall into the trappings of being speaker. I mean, it can really go to your head. After all, you get a suite of offices and they're going to paint the painting of you, right? You get a great big portrait and it's unveiled and it's a big deal, right? They all, and then you become a former speaker and you can make a lot of money off of being a former speaker. All these members of Congress, look at Paul Ryan. He has three portraits of himself on Capitol Hill. I think for now on, let's get rid of the portraits. It should all be selfies, all right? Take a selfie, print it up at Kinko's or have some guy at the office do it and put it in a frame if you want to be fancy. No more paintings. I trust because I feel like I know Mike Johnson. He's going to pursue the truth about Ashley Babbitt. You know, we haven't gotten it yet. And um, she was shot and killed and it was wrong. We all saw it was wrong. And there are so many questions. So much has to be tackled and investigated. Like, why did these three cops just walk away? There they go. See them? And then all hell breaks loose. And these guys are about to break in. And Officer Bird there on the other side is about to take out his gun and shoot Ashley Babbitt. It's about to happen. You see the cops just standing there on the other side, just watching all this stuff. What in the hell was going on that day? We don't know. We don't know 2% of it. See the gun? It's about to kill Ashley Babbitt. This is a big problem for America. And the last speaker, McCarthy, he didn't want to lift the finger on this. 
One of the first things Marjorie Taylor Greene said from the oversight dais was that Ashley Babbitt was murdered. Mm -hmm. Do you think Ashley Babbitt was murdered, or do you think the police officer who shot her was doing his job? I think the police officer did his job. Yeah, no way. That showed me that he was owned by the swamp. I mean, there's not a police department in the country that would say that was a justified shooting. And how dysfunctional is Washington to give Michael Byrd a promotion and a medal after shooting an unarmed woman who posed no threat? None. Zero. Jumping through a window is not a deadly threat. And a room is not. A room is a room, okay? We trust that uh, there will be justice for Ashley. We also trust that all of us, every single American, if they want to access the security footage from January 6th, will soon be able to do so. Kevin McCarthy allowed Tucker Carlson to do it and nobody else. I'm glad Tucker got the footage. He did a great job exposing so much, but every American should be able to see this if they want to. And I want to. Next, please. This is Black Lives Matter summer at its worst, right? Or at its most peaceful depending upon who you talk to, right? This was beautiful. This was all necessary in the aftermath of the death of George Floyd, who was murdered, right? Well, no, actually, there was enough fentanyl in his system to kill him. We don't know the, f we don't know the truth here. We actually know that there was an autopsy report that said there was no injury to his neck. You know, in America, we gotta be able to handle the truth no matter how it makes certain people feel. The moment this individual was killed, Look, I'm sorry this happened, but the moment he died, we don't know. We just don't know the facts. We, there's so much about this we don't know because the left, the culture, the mob said there's only one way to think about this. And George Floyd was a hero who deserved a state funeral while the rest of us had to stay at home. Black Lives Matter summer and the Black Lives Matter movement rearranged how we live life in America and it is still affecting us today. And this crazy woke stuff, DEI, diversity, equity, and inclusion, governing every decision in academia, in government, in corporate America, it's crazy stuff. It's crazy. It hasn't been vetted. It's still taking over. And it's wrong, even though Joe Biden thinks it's cool, and he does. I challenge you, find today, when you turn on the stations, sit on one station for two hours, and I don't know how many commercials you'll see, lay eight to five. Two to three out of five have mixed-race couples in them. That's not by accident. They're selling soap, man. <laughs> not a joke. Remember old Pat Cadell used to say, you want to know what's happened in American culture? Watch advertising. Well, advertisers, I don't know. I, I, I think they're just scared. I think this is virtue signaling. Look, commercials like this are fine to a point. Take a look. Today we're talking about mobile plans the real way. Why? I'm at the coffee shop on my Walmart Family Mobile Unlimited plan. It's unlimited talk, text, and data. We could do this all day with 4G LTE speed. Hi, baby. Because we move fast. You want to go to the park, buddy? And at $29.88, it's the lowest price unlimited plan that includes 4G LTE. Cute family, and that's great. The thing is, Joe Biden's right to a point. It's actually like 90% of all families on TV now are, are mixed race. 
you start to feel a little bit self-conscious if you're not in a mixed race marriage or relationship or if you're not a person of color. There's something going on here that's kind of unnatural, like square peg, round hole. Why is this being forced on everybody? There's something strange, right? I don't think it should matter so much what's on the outside, but to some elite people, it really does. And it's putting people out of work. Okay, we'll have more on that next time. Um, the elites love it though, right? Guys like Roger Goodell, you know, corporate titan. What is he? He's a commissioner of NFL, right? The NFL makes like uh, $2 million a week at his job. A week! Well, he wants to keep the power that he's got. How do you do that? You give the mob something. You just, you know, you virtue signal like this. We, the National Football League, condemn racism and the systematic oppression of black people. Yeah, I mean, um, I, I, I don't know what he's talking about. And uh, he doesn't actually believe what he's saying, but he knows that's the way the wind is blowing, so he has to do this dance so he can keep his power, his status, his position. But to the guys at the bus depot or the guy over there or me, whatever, you know, deal with it. We're still trying to get by in life, right? No matter what you look like, no matter what color you are, this is a phony conversation that's happening at the top. Now, why am I talking about BLM? Because it directly correlates with this pro-Palestinian, pro-Hamas nonsense. It's very much akin to Black Lives Matter. Here's a scene from Black Lives Matter, right? Yelling and screaming at the cops, trying to rearrange society. The cops are bad. Here's a scene from a recent pro-Hamas, pro-Palestinian, pro-anti-Israel uh, rally. You know, same kind of people, same kind of vibe, the same deal, right? It all looks the same. I don't want society to be rearranged off of these pro-Palestinian, pro-Hamas, anti-Israel rallies as it was after the BLM stuff, okay? Now, fortunately, I see people with power and status and something to lose standing up and pushing back. Aaron Sorkin, he's a lefty, not my style. I don't even like his TV shows or his movies. But, and he has a lot of them to his credit, okay? He did, maybe you like him, but he did The West Wing. He did A Few Good Men, uh, The Social Network, and a million other things, okay? I did like The Social Network. Uh, I did not like A Few Good Men as a Marine. I really didn't like it. Anyway, um, he's saying no when his agent makes crazy, anti-Semitic, anti-Israel comments. He says, you know what? I'm not dealing with my agent anymore. I'm firing my agent. I like this. I like this so much. A man with, with something to lose is actually taking a risk, sticking his neck out, saying, this is where I'm drawing my red line. Good for Aaron Sorkin. So as this anti-Jew, anti-Israel, pro-Hamas sentiment flourishes all over our country, I'm really concerned what will result. Will there be a permanent mark left behind? We have to be vigilant about this. We cannot allow them to move the needle to make any of this somehow acceptable. Black Lives Matter, they moved the needle. They really did. And I think a direct result is, well, derelict kids going joyriding and running down people on a bike. Law-abiding citizens. Did you see this from Las Vegas? Take me move around.
fucking You're the last thing they said, get his ass, run him over. Run, they ran the guy over. It was the second person they ran over in a day. That man was killed, a 64-year-old retired cop. Um, and the kids who did it, well, they're in court, and they're laughing and giggling about what they did. Uh, and they think they're going to beat the rap. And who knows, maybe they, maybe they will. I'm so glad, though, that uh, the daughter and the wife of the victim, Chief Probst, is in the courtroom every day, and they're pointing out the hideousness of their behavior. And you know who they blame? The parents. The parents. And there is, that's where the blame goes, doesn't it? And remember that brief shining moment where Barack Obama was gonna talk boldly about matters of race and boldly about responsibility? And he didn't because the left didn't like it and he didn't wanna break a sweat. All right, one more thing, CNN. What's with the pro-Hamas stuff? These people, somebody's got to get her a cup of coffee and they've got to learn fairness over there at CNN. The humanitarian crisis is worsening in Gaza. The main UN agency working in Gaza says it will be forced to stop relief efforts by the end of the end of the day, potentially because of the fuel shortage that Nick was just talking about, which has become a big part of this crisis. And as Israel intensifies its bombardment of Gaza, with more than 200 hostages still being held by Hamas, the fuel shortage is already costing lives, doctors warn. At least six hospitals have shut down due to a lack of fuel. And hundreds of patients, from premature babies to the many wounded in ICU, are at risk. They're ignoring that the same, the authorities that you're looking at here, that are complaining about a lack of supplies, they actually took hostages, women and children and the elderly. They took hostages. And this is against every conceivable Forget rule of law, rule of humanity, rule of decency. They shot down those people at that concert, mostly women at a rave concert. They opened fire, 16, 17, 18-year-olds. You heard about the babies, and they burned down homes. And now they're talking to us about a lack of bandages and, and, and medicine. I'm sorry. Hamas did this. They, they opened this war, and war is hell and the Israelis are gonna finish it. I'll be right back. can you trust? A new study finds Americans don't trust big media. Millions are going to Newsmax as their trusted source. They go to Newsmax.com and watch Newsmax TV for the news they really need to know. They download the free Newsmax app. Almost 7 million cable viewers watch Newsmax, but not Fox News. And 20 million Americans like you have made the switch and watch Newsmax all the time. So make the switch to Newsmax for real news. Dynamite stuff from James Comer, chair of the House Oversight Committee. You haven't heard much about it in the mainstream media, but this is pretty darn significant. The brother of Joe Biden writing Joe Biden a check for 200 grand. Now it says loan repayment in the little corner there. 
What difference does that make? What is going on? This would appear to be, well, money from a private firm that James Biden was doing business with, and uh, he was paying his brother, as in AmeriCorps wanted to pay his brother, the firm itself. I'd like to bring in James Comer now, the congressman we saw him a moment ago. Welcome back, sir. How are you? Great work. Hello. Thank you. Uh, you bet. You bet. Uh, I mean, it's dynamite. It's dynamite stuff. At least that's how I uh, uh, perceive it. Uh, your thoughts? Has anything happened since this thing dropped? Well, that's proof that Joe Biden benefited directly from his family's influence peddling operation. Look, AmeriCorps Health was a failing healthcare company. Joe Bi- Jim Biden, the president's brother, somehow found out about this company. He, he presented to their owners and, and directors and said that... Uh, through his brother's contacts in the Middle East, and because of his last name, Biden, he could get them all the money they needed to restore their company, but they needed to pay him $600,000 for his travel and expenses and uh, his his, his fee. But he wanted it in the form of a loan. So they loaned him $600,000. Obviously, that's a way to avoid paying taxes. You don't pay taxes on a loan, right? So the AmeriCorps Health, paid Jim Biden $200,000 in the last increment of that $600,000. He turned around and wrote a check the same day to Joe Biden for $200,000. Now, the White House is trying to say that, well, that was a loan and Joe just got repaid back. I don't believe it was a loan from Jim Biden, but let's say it was. Let's say it was. Jim Biden could never have paid back that $200,000 without that $200,000 check from AmeriCorps. He had about a $2,000 balance in his checking account for, for months there. So that $200,000 went directly from AmeriCorps to Jim Biden to Joe Biden. So either Joe Biden got paid a cut of $200,000 or he didn't lose $200,000 that he loaned his brother. Either way, Joe Biden's better off because of the family influence peddling scheme by $200,000. Now, you don't believe it. I don't believe it. But James Biden's lawyer, I think, has been making noise. Oh, the committee, they have proof that this was actually a loan and the terms of the loan were agreed to. And you guys have evidence of that. Do you? No. What's happened is they sent the Democrats on the committee some type of document, apparently. And Dan Goldman, who's the gift that keeps on giving. I mean, if you could buy Dan Goldman for what he's worth (laughs) and sell him for what he thinks he's worth, we could balance the budget this year. (laughs) But but anyway, Dan Goldman tweets out, well, we've got these documents. Uh, The chairman has the documents. We don't have the documents. But but regardless, it doesn't matter whether it was a loan or not. The fact that Jim Biden and we have his personal bank records, that was the last subpoena After the first impeachment hearing, I announced we were subpoenaing Jim Biden, the president's brother's personal bank records. We have those personal bank records. I can tell you what his daily balance was in his checking account for the last nine years. He did not have the money to pay back Joe Biden if it were, in fact, a loan. The only way he was able to pay Joe Biden back was because he influenced, peddled AmeriCorps Health, who, by the way, has Jim Biden sued for fraud now. Yeah, they sued for fraud. I've seen those documents. They're very upset. We're very upset. I think that case was settled. Uh, And Jim Biden, uh, you know, if he didn't have the money in the checking account, maybe he invested it in real estate like Joe did. Now, I'd like to show you the house, the Rehoboth Beach house, where Joe has spent nearly, what, a third of his presidency so far. Let's put it up on the screen. Joe Biden, we hear he spent uh, $2.75 million in cash for this house. 
we have the house, please. Uh, and this was happening in uh, 2017, just a few months after he, be he left the vice presidency in cash. I mean, rich people don't do that. Normal people don't do that. People who do that are money launderers or very, very rich people. But Joe is not rich, rich. He's rich. What do you think yeah. about that? Well, we're looking into that transaction there because, you know, at the same time, he's supposedly loaning his brother $200,000 in cash. He has $2.75 million in cash to buy a house. And not to mention the upkeep and all of that, the, the cash that you would have to have lying around. I mean, that's well in excess of $3.1, $3.2 million cash to do all of this. So, you know, what? Where did he get the cash? He always talked about being the poorest member of the United States Senate. So, uh, you know, that that's a big question. But at the end of the day, having looked at Jim Biden's bank record, uh, I can tell you that Jim Biden is in just as much legal trouble as Hunter Biden. They were both in on the influence peddling scheme. They were both laundering money. They were they were both, uh, you know, selling the Biden brand, uh, shaking people down in exchange for favors from Joe Biden. And this check for 200000 to Joe Biden is, is what the media said I had to do. They said, if you're going to be successful in this investigation, you've got to find direct evidence Joe Biden benefited. And they would laugh when they said that because they thought, well, the Biden surely weren't dumb enough to write Joe Biden a personal check, but they never dreamed we would get the personal bank records. And that's what we've done to build this case up over the last seven months. We've built a case yeah. that will win in court. Now, when we subpoena for bank records, we will we will get those bank records. And uh, we got Jim Biden's personal bank records. All right. So you say, by the way, they're in legal trouble. They're not technically being investigated right now. Right. I mean, no law enforcement mm -hmm. agency is investigating Jim or Joe Biden. I mean, they should. But right. tell me about that. But, and also, also, if you don't mind, yeah. um, regarding the whole matter. Uh, well, go ahead. Answer that question first, if you don't mind. Well, they're being investigated by the House Oversight Committee, and there's going to be criminal referrals uh, when we're finished with this investigation. And, you know, no one knows anything about Jim Biden because he didn't leave a laptop lying around like Hunter Biden. But I can tell you, after uh, peeking inside that Jim Biden's personal finances and his business, so-called business finances over the past decade, uh, there's no difference. There's nothing that differentiates Jim Biden from Hunter Biden. And the beauty about this AmeriCorps deal and that $200,000 check, that had absolutely nothing to do with Hunter Biden. And the media wants to say this is an investigation of Hunter Biden. Like, why are you investigating the president's son? He didn't work for the government. Joe Biden was ringleader. This was the family business. It wasn't just Hunter Biden. And it wasn't just Jim Biden. There were many Biden that were involved in, in presenting the Biden brand and shaking people down for payments in exchange for pardons, in exchange for, uh, you know, uh, firing prosecutors in foreign countries, yeah. in exchange for navigating the bureaucracy in the government. Just because they didn't get what they wanted, that still makes it, that, that, that's still illegal. That's still bribery. It's amazing. When, when you, yeah. Congressman, um, and nobody asked Joe Biden about this. He's around the media today. Nobody asks him. He, uh, nobody even tries to ask. That's important. Very quickly, how do you feel about the new speaker? I like him. I think Mike Johnson's a great guy. I really thought Jim Jordan would be speaker. Obviously, I was supporting Jim Jordan. But when Jim Jordan would have become speaker, I believe Mike Johnson would have been judiciary chair. So 
the same relationship that I had with Jim Jordan as judiciary chair and oversight chair in, in this investigation, I would have had in my, I was thinking with Mike Johnson. So we sat down last week and talked about this investigation and moving forward and how we can continue to work together. And he's all in. He wants to hold the Biden family accountable. And I'm excited about uh, him being our new speaker. Awesome. Awesome. And great work. It's fascinating. And this is the biggest thing in the world. It doesn't matter if no one's yep. really talking about it right now. They will. Yep. Thank they you. They will. Thank you, Congressman. Thank you. You bet. And we'll be right Bye. back. This country was made by tax rebels, freedom fighters, gold seekers, believers, lovers, and true patriots. We're Newsmax, and we're their heirs, and so are you. Newsmax TV, real news for real people. Mark Meadows, former chief of staff to President Trump. And you may have heard, I guess he has some sort of immunity deal. It's been reported. Uh, not sure yet, but the media seems to think that this is uh, Trump's biggest nightmare, that Mark Meadows may say something. Take a look. Tonight on All In. Have you testified before the grand jury? Explosive new reporting that Mark Meadows was granted immunity. For months, we have wondered whether Mark Meadows, his former chief of staff, was cooperating with Jack Smith in the special counsel investigation into Donald Trump and the 2020 election. After all, Mark Meadows had gone curiously quiet, and now we might know why. We got a bombshell new report from ABC News that Trump's former chief of staff, Mark Meadows, has been granted immunity in special counsel Jack Smith's federal election interference case. All right, whenever they say bombshell, bombshell, remember this, it's a dud, okay, almost always a bombshell. Not all bombs go off, some bombs don't detonate. And neither will this one. It's no big deal, all right? And the funny thing about the indictment of uh, Mr. Meadows here, what he's accused of doing, all right? We looked it up. Count, uh, what is it, 115, something like that? In Fulton County, Georgia, by unlawfully soliciting, requesting, and importuning Georgia Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger, a public officer, to engage in conduct constituting the felony offense of blah, 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 blah. You want to see what he did? You want to see the felony that he committed allegedly, right, according to the, excuse me, the DA, uh, it's right here. We have the tape of the phone call. Here, is this a felony? Is this a crime? Listen. So let me let me recommend, uh, Ryan, if you and Kurt will get together, uh, you know, when we get off of this phone call, if you could get together and work out uh, a, a plan to, to address uh, some of what we've we've got with your attorneys, where we can we can actually look at the data. Uh, uh, for example, uh, Mr. Secretary, I, I can tell you, you say there was only two dead people that would vote. Uh, I, I can promise you there are more than that, uh, and and that may be what your investigation shows, but I can promise you there are more than that. Uh, but at the same time, I think it's important that we go ahead and move expeditiously to try to do this and resolve it as quickly as we possibly can. And uh, and if that's the good next step, you know, hopefully we can we can uh, finish this phone call and, and go ahead and agree that the two of you will get together immediately. Uh, is, is that criminal? They have a they have a disagreement. We think this. You think that. Let's have a follow on phone call because there were like 50 people on the phone. That's not a crime. And even if Mark Meadows became convinced that there was no election fraud and told the president that it doesn't really matter. Chief of Staff, that's not in the Constitution. Look up the phrase Chief of Staff. You won't find it in the Constitution. Uh, it was up to the President, okay? And 
Lots of people have told President Trump to do something, and he didn't do it, and he turned out to be right. So uh, it's much ado about nothing. Remember, all bombshells are a bust, and I'll be right back. Newsmax. Shoots it straight. No talking down to me. Don't tell me how to think. Don't tell me how to think. Don't tell me how to think. I trust Newsmax. Newsmax. They don't tell me how to think. They let me decide. Real news for real people. You know, every time Joe Biden uh, opens his mouth, goes outside in public, I think it actually endangers America. It lessens our prestige, our status, our security. We would be in much better shape if he just stayed indoors and much, much, much better shape if he were no longer president, in my opinion. Look, it seems like we're on the verge of a major, major uh, war. We know one's going to happen between Israel and Hamas, but it could be broader, much broader. World War III, people are talking about. Two of the smartest guys in the country, Blaine Holt, the Brigadier General of the U.S. Air Force, retired C-17 pilot, and Gordon Chang, all-around expert on China and author of The Coming Collapse of China and The Great U.S.-China Tech War, required reading. Uh, Gordon, first to you, what should we be, what are you most worried about tonight? What are you looking at? I'm worried about the world falling into global conflict. We've got a war in Ukraine, um, which was green-lighted by China, and China's now supporting Russia. You had China and Russia fuel insurgencies across North Africa, and they look like wars. Of course, the war in the Middle East, China is threatening the Philippines at Second Thomas Shoal with some extremely belligerent tactics. I think the international system is on the verge of failure. That doesn't mean it will fail, but it looks like we're headed in that direction, which means that there'll be conflict around the world. And that means we've got to defend our friends and allies. And this is extremely serious. And Biden is not explaining that to the American people. He's asking for a lot of money, but he's not explaining the significance of what is occurring. You know, and if it does come to that, uh, I don't think he could actually, let alone talk about it, actually do it, General Holt. That's exactly right. I, I just want to build up where Gordon perfectly laid out what the threat is globally. Uh, my worries also extend to Americans here at home. Millions of unaccounted for illegal aliens are in our country, many of them fighting age men with the means and the uh, ability to be activated at any time against us so that war is here on our own soil. Uh, this can happen in Europe with their own migration problem. And, and we, we see evidence that this is a problem when we have forces in 19 little bases in Iraq and Syria where we are not even defending ourselves, yet we're attacked numerous times by, and let's just drop the word proxies, by Iran, and, and we don't do anything about it except academics with microphones say fancy things like we retain the right to defend ourselves. If we won't even do it there, how are we to know that we're safe here at home amidst all of these illegals that they've let in by the millions over three years? Now, these shots that he's taking at, uh, that they're taking at our troops in Syria and Iraq, this has happened before. Didn't Iran do that to our guys in Iraq in January of 2020 under Trump, that happened. But I can't remember, remember why it happened. Do you know, General? Uh, well, I mean, they had been probing and testing us every step of the way. The, the, the difference is, is that our military under President Trump had the ability to defend itself. It had clear rules of engagement. And so if you wanted to pick a fight through a proxy or directly with the United States, we were already enabled to come right back at you, which... Um, 
if look, if we don't have a military mission there and we don't have the ability to defend ourselves there, then what are we doing there? And by the way, you say that proxy word. We don't want to use that word proxy. Um, I hear it all the time, and I kind of know what it means, but sometimes I don't, Gordon. Who are the proxies in this thing? And, and, and define that for us, our proxies. We're fighting a proxy war. What does that mean? Well, it means that China is the main enemy and the combatant, and it's uh, attacking us through Russia, um, through the insurgents in North Africa, through Hamas, Hezbollah, the Houthis, uh, you name it. And, you know, this is, as the general said, um, we're going to be under attack on our own soil. I mean, that lab that was found, that secret Chinese lab that was found in Reedley, California, it had 20 pathogens and more and about a thousand mice that have been genetically engineered to spread disease. So um, this is going to be a direct attack on the United States. No proxies there. Um, but we have essentially the world aflame right now. And by the way, the reason why we didn't have wider war during the Trump administration is because in April, when Xi Jinping was at Mar-a-Lago at that dinner with that beautiful chocolate cake, the president stood up and announced that we had attacked a Chinese proxy with our missiles. And Xi Jinping got the message and was quiet for four years. Wow. I do remember that story. The missiles were, in, were, were on their way. Joe Biden talking about the ground invasion today. It's not up to him, apparently. Uh, listen to how he characterized what Israel should do next and how it should do it. Go ahead. Your conversations with uh, Prime Minister Netanyahu, who obviously you've known uh, for decades, and you had a very emotional trip there last week to Israel. Have you sought assurances from him that he will hold off on a ground invasion into Gaza until the safe relief release of the hostages can be assured? And of course, those include uh, 10 unaccounted for Americans. No. What I have indicated to him is that if that's possible to get these folks out safely, that's what he should do. It's their decision. But I did not demand it. I pointed out to him, if it's real, it should be done. All right. I mean, um, a lot of it is confusing to me. I'm sorry, but his, he's routinely confusing to me. Am I just uh, not getting it, Blaine? Nope. Most people don't get it, and here's the thing. Why do all the headlines say that uh, Netanyahu today agreed to delay the invasion? Um, here's the problem. When you tell our ally, uh, irrespective of their local politics, you're going to do this because we told you to, what he's in fact doing is he is uh, subverting what the Israeli generals have determined is their military mission to commit to. He's put Netanyahu politically in great danger because the population wants answers as to why they're not allowed to defend themselves. And, and, and now we could have turmoil internally. Here's Israel's options. You're going to follow through on your mission and you're going to delete Hamas from the earth. You'll try to save the hostages if you can. And then the world will understand you're strong and you'll have a deterrence. If you fail at that, you'll have many fronts, including Iran, Syria, Hezbollah, at your throats, and it won't end. And, and we're not helping our ally right now. This is a critical point to be made. Yikes. Uh, Gordon Chang, final thoughts, please. Well, the general is right. You know, we have now paid a ransom, you know, this release of the $6 billion on that uh, on the Iran hostage release. Also, the humanitarian assistance award on um, October 18th. This really is a payment to the Palestinians in the West Bank and Gaza to release American hostages. This is not what we should be doing. We're Americans. We don't pay tribute, except, of course, if you're Joe Biden, in which case you pay tribute all the time. 
Yeah, really strange. Uh, and uh, how do we get here? <laughs> well, I think we're going to prevail. I don't know what it's going to look like. I'm so thankful that you guys are around, really. Uh, Blaine Holt and Gordon Chang, to be continued, gentlemen, and we'll be right back. But this judge will, because this judge is a very partisan judge, with a person who's very partisan sitting alongside him, perhaps even much more partisan than he is. So uh, we are doing very well. The facts are speaking very loud. Uh, he's a totally discredited witness, and you haven't seen anything yet. This goes on for a long time, and he's a totally discredited witness. Well, this is America, and you're allowed to say things, right? Wrong. It's no longer America. President Trump at court today, outside of court, he said what he said, fined $10,000 by the judge. This is in violation of a gag order. I don't like the sound of that at all, a gag order. Who came up with that? And this judge is goofy and weird. Yeah, making faces and all that stuff. Uh, so what is the deal here? $10,000 because uh, Trump ordered to take the witness stand and find ten grand for violating the gag order. Uh, you can't talk about this. It's funny. You can talk about anything, say anything you want about any Republican, any MAGA, threat to democracy, this, that, the other thing. You can't say what he just said without paying $10,000. It's crazy. And you know what? I'm MAGA. But you know who's also noticing that this is crazy? Some people on the left. There are actually some good people out there. The American Civil Liberties Union? Yeah, they're actually noticing. They put out a statement about this. As much as we disagreed with Donald Trump's policies, everyone is entitled to the same First Amendment protection against gag orders that are too broad and too vague. Uh, let's see. If we allow his free speech rights to be abridged, we know that other unpopular voices, even ones we agree with, will also be silenced. It's about time the ACLU lived up to its roots. You know what I mean? There are a lot of people I don't agree with, but they should not be silenced. They shouldn't be censored. And, uh... Anyway, that was refreshing from the ACLU. Good for them for this one brief shining moment. We'll be right back. Hey, Luke, who's that? Is that Ariel from Little Mermaid? Pretty much. It's my daughter, Annalise, my three-year-old, getting ready for Halloween next week. She's very excited about being Ariel. And I'm very excited as well about Halloween, actually. Anyway, happy Halloween in advance. I'll see you tomorrow. Many thanks. Chris Plant is next.